Hi, I'm Tane. And I'm Aid, and this is Alter Call, a Married at First Sight podcast. Hi, everybody. Happy New Year. Welcome to another episode of MAPS, Season 17, Episode 11. Hi, Aid. Hi, Tane. I would ask how you are, but I think I know the answer. Guys, I, I know you're bored. It's like every other day we're alternating colds, we're playing hot potato with this shit. But listen, every time I travel, this happens. So I'm sorry, I'm doing my best. I hope I sound okay and you can hear what I'm saying. But yeah, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> but either way, how were your holidays? They were great, they were wonderful. They were, I took time off work, but I didn't have to travel because I live I used to travel to for the holidays and I just really love the holidays this year. How was yours? It was really good. I mean, I was where you live now, where I used to live many years ago. Um, it was good seeing people I haven't seen in a while. A lot of college folks got to hang out with you guys. Aid made like the best cookies ever. I got like a cookie box. I don't think I shared that with anyone. Like I was like a little <laughs> glutton. That makes Just, me so happy. Um, <laughs> ate it, but it was really good because, you know, if it wasn't good, I wouldn't say anything, but it was good. So yeah. kudos to you. Kadoozy to you. Thank you. <laughs> you guys, my cookie box has four different types of cookie, and I consider that an underachieving year. Um, there have been years where there are five or six different types of cookie. And the good news is everybody's going to like at least one of them. Yeah, and there are multiples. So when she says five different, it doesn't mean it has five. This like 10 or something. So at least one I got. I hope I'm not out in your, if anyone got this. <laughs> there was a couple boxes that only had three different types of cookie, but I don't think it's anybody who listens. <laughs> I'm not one of them, so I don't care. <laughs> but it was good. We got to hang out. I got to see AIDS, um new place. I haven't seen it. Actually, you know what's so funny? A whole bunch of my people like got homes at the same time. So I saw like, five new homes in total <laughs> i was just taking tours around houston and austin so it was uh fun but it was nice you know you know got my husband thinking about texas <laughs> oh yeah i didn't update you there's there's a shaking aid there's a shaking that was gonna be my next question i'm like so after he saw five different <laughs> texas houses that were much more affordable than anything we got going on in the dc area did it inspire uh, him did it sway him i was hoping how many years have we been trying? There is a shaking. There hasn't been any rippling, but he just wakes up and he's like, dang, babe, you know, we could do Texas, right? Like, That's on you. I've done it. I can go anywhere. I've moved five times. It's fine with me. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But he goes back and forth, but he mentioned it today. So, hey, you see. Uh I'm not getting my hopes up, but I'll just, that little niggle of hope will just stay there inside of me. Um, that is the right place to be. <laughs> oh, what a wonderful holiday. <laughs> yeah. So it was great. I appreciate it. Looking forward to the new year. Hope it brings good things for all of us and all of our listeners. Okay. Um, what do we have to share with the people today? Hi, everybody. Um, so next week, we're going to have a very special guest we will let you know about um but tane will be out 
Um, after party this week will be on Patreon as usual. And then we are all preparing for the sister wives wedding. Um, I know they did those talk back episodes. Uh, I didn't get a chance to watch them, but I heard good things. But we are going to be doing sister wives Christine's wedding later on this month. And we'll talk about everything the talk back episodes and the wedding all in one. If if we have I have I'll be honest, I haven't watched them yet. But Tane has. Maybe they'll have something to say. <laughs> it's the same old same, but somehow you find it entertaining. Um, yes, like Aid mentioned, I will be out. I always hesitate to say when I'm traveling because there was one time I was supposed to be out and it didn't work out and I came back and we were on. But I am going to the UK, uh, well, this week. But Aid, I have not shared with you. I just found out there's going to be like a strike. <laughs> a tube strike or a rail strike or whatever the fuck strike and I'm pissed you know those <laughs> Europeans I... stay striking though thanks to, French sure air tra- <laughs> thanks to French air traffic controllers the last time I was Ugh. in Europe I had a four hour delay because of French air traffic controllers being on strike um, if it, you're in London and the tube is on strike you just get you an Uber <laughs> get on the bus I don't know good luck to you yeah, I'm going to be on the bus. I mean, I'm staying central to it, so I should be fine right about. And everything I'm kind of doing until I head to Manchester and then they can keep their kick rocks. But hopefully it doesn't go through. But what are the hopes of that? Expect the worst. But yeah, that's the update. So yeah, but like we said, special guest next week should be fun. Besides that, we're a pro-labor podcast. So if people are striking. <laughs> yes. We support. It's for, it's for good reason. <laughs> My selfish was just like, and it, it's exactly like my dates. The date I land and then the day I leave. There's like the stretch. But your dates, and I just found out today. I was making plans with a friend, and she's like, "Yeah, um, do you know about this?" And I'm like, "Yeah, of course I did." But yeah, alrighty. Um, well, diving into this week's episode, how did you feel about it? Things are moving. Things are happening. This is a transition episode. This is to get us from one place to another place. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Because I kind of felt like nothing was happening. I mean, things happened, but it was like a whole lot of not a lot to me. And actually, I don't know how or why, but I did watch the journey so far. <laughs> don't ask me why. You didn't miss anything. So. <laughs> but did um, they just yeah. show us what has already happened that we've already watched? They did, and they just kind of gave their opinions. I think the best part was just kind of seeing where they stood on certain things, like, you know, the whole Lauren and Orion, and then the whole Claire and Cameron. And I think they're kind of like where we are with Claire and Cameron. They're just like, Claire is not feeling Cameron, but this week's after party, we'll get there. Let's just get to this episode. Um, So we start with Emily and Brennan. And it seems like they have recovered from their fight. We just see them making pizza, like all is well. And I'm like, last I saw, Emily was pissed at Brandon, right? So he thanks her for getting all the ingredients for making it. And she's like, oh, I enjoyed Pia. Y'all know how I hate when they don't give these people their titles. Because it is not easy to get that title. So why would you just call her Pia? Who you think you is? (laughs) So... She tells him that she needs him to take action on stuff and it's important for her how they move forward. He says he knows they agreed to do PS exercises. Again, guys, at this point, I'm boiling. I don't know. There's something about Brennan and Emily not saying her title that pisses me off. 
that it's just like, why? After everything she did for you guys. But um, the touching one, he says that the touching one was awkward for him. Then we see a flashback on Dr. Pierre telling them that one of the exercises should be they should touch from head to toe with minimal clothing as they feel comfortable with. Um, I don't know how I felt about that. <laughs> it feels odd to tell people who are at odds, maybe that's a strong word, that are not seeing eye to eye to touch with minimal clothing. Yes, you say as you feel comfortable with, but I mean, if they wanted to touch, they would. There's that, but I, I just didn't, I'm not defending, but I was keeping in mind that Emily had mentioned that they have taken showers with bathing suits on. So it's not like it's nothing they haven't seen or done before. When they were on good terms. Now this man <laughs> is on the verge of kind of hating her. And I, there's just something that doesn't sit right with me. we telling two people, like, I get it. She's a sex therapist. Like usually you go, but these are people in a relationship and are trying to work on things. Yes, they're saying they're working on things, but can we at least get them to like each other before saying touch with minimal clothing? I don't know. Maybe it's the right thing to do. I'm not trained. I'm just saying like, I just felt a little weird about that. So Brennan says, yeah, can they pivot on that? And he likes hugging so they should hug more. And this reminded me of something they said on the journey so far where one of the panelists, I forget his name, he was a man, said that Brennan just seems to want to control um, Emily. Like it's not about, like he was trying to fake like he was protecting her, but it's more like controlling her and controlling the things that she says. And this felt like control again, like when he didn't want to move into the apartment and now he's like, let's hold on on the touching. And then he's like, I like hugging, so let's hug more. What if she doesn't like hugging? Did you even ask? No, and this panelist is right. And I, I, I think we said it too. Yes, Brennan wants to control. But you know what? I'm glad that you pointed out that this hugging thing is about control because I don't think I thought about that when I watched it. Hmm. So she agrees, as always, and says, yeah, that's fine. But also, we need to talk more. She tells us in the confessional that she says while she can feel frustrated that she while she's frustrated, she's still committed to him. Actually, no, she tells him. And she's committed to figuring it out, even though they're in different spots. And she wouldn't do it if she didn't want to or think it was worth it. And what does Brennan say altogether now? Same. Like, literally, that's all he says to anything sane. <laughs> so then we see the experts with Michael. And Dr. Pepper is telling Dr. Pia and Pastor Cal that she's kind of nervous with everything that happened with Michael. And this is an emotional disaster. And she feels terrible that she's one of the people who matched him. I'm like, you're talking with the other two. It sounds like she was venting, but they're part of it too. So Dr. Pia says, no, you can't say that, that you can never tell. And then when he comes, they praise, they, oh, sorry. They praise Michael for being classy, just the way he's handled it. So Michael walks in and he comes in with the crown. <laughs> I didn't know why he brought it. It was a little odd. It's a little showmanship, I guess. Something to give us to look at. I don't know. All right, y'all. I'm just going to say it. See, 
I'm not all the way there with Michael. Like, honestly, he handled it great and all that. But I think you hit the nail in the head. There's something showman see. I don't even know if that's a word. About Michael. And my number one pain point with him is the way he answers questions. My God, when he comes in full time, I don't know how we're going to go past his lengthy, what's that word you always say? Word salad <laughs> answers. Like just go straight to the point and stop being so focused on being the perfect guy. I don't know. That's the vibe I get for him. Like he just really wants to be a good guy. And again, I'm not saying that's him. I'm just saying this is my read on him. And something about that just annoys me. Why can't you just be flawed like the rest of us? I'm not mature. Um, that is one perspective to have, yes. <laughs> so anyways, he comes in with the crown and he says that it was a great gift. And maybe he was just sticking it to the experts like, you did this to me. Here is something that symbolizes what you did to me. Um, Dr. Pepper apologizes and she says she had no inkling and that this has never happened before. And Michael was like, honestly, I did not contemplate this as a possibility. Neither did the rest of us, Michael. <laughs> did you think said, that the experts owed him an apology? Because I kind of think they didn't. Um, I think they don't owe him, but it was the nice thing to do. Okay. And I don't even know if it helps that she kept repeating that they had no inkling from her. You should have a gut instinct as an expert. I think, I don't know. You can't control these things, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, he says that even if he was mad, this is one of his answers, there was no incentive to express that anger because seeing her being so vulnerable at that point, I think I was like, who is this guy? Who does he think he is? Like, that's so mature. Like, I don't feel so mad. But he said afterwards, he wondered if it was his looks. And the thing that got him was that the woman they felt was a great match is the same one who didn't want to do this with him. And that's when he started crying. So Pascal asked how it affected his view of marriage, and he says it hasn't, and then they heap more praises on him. Uh, Dr. Pepper asks him if he's interested in them finding someone else, and would he want to take another chance? And they go to commercial break, and they come back, and he's like, I would absolutely 100% do it again. And my first thought was like, how are you going to get guests again? Like, can you take time off to come to my wedding again? <laughs> um. Hopefully it's on a Saturday. Well, we'll see. So my question for you, Aid, if you were Michael, would you do this again? Yeah. You've already gotten yourself so pepped up for it. It cannot hurt to try again. Okay. I would absolutely not. I would have been like, God has given me a sign. It did not work through the first time. This is your time to run. And I would not do it again. I don't think- You wouldn't do it for I the first time either. No, but this is hypothetical. Okay. <laughs> I'm just in the belief that you wouldn't do it for the first time or the second time. But you're saying, oh, in the case I did do it for the first time, I still wouldn't do it for the second time. Yeah. Like, I, you're also not Michael. It's all hypothetical. Like, if you were just in his shoes or anything like that and someone dumped you, I just, I, I, I wouldn't go through that again. Because if it happens again, uh, yeah. Um, 
Pascal asks, after all of this, that then he knows that they've asked him before, but what kind of woman does he want? And he said he wants an intelligent woman, someone that's witty, someone that's quick and invested in themselves. I'm guessing like dress is nice. That's what that means. Because I don't know what invested in themselves means. How would you interpret that? I don't know how to interpret this. <laughs> I have no, yeah, I don't know what he means by that. He says something he didn't express the first time was that he appreciates silliness and he's a very silly person. So they said they will do all they can to find him someone, which honestly, by this point that they're having this conversation, I feel like they already found someone. Of course. But my question was, when did these people look at the landscape and say, we got to get this man matched so that we can continue to have a show? <laughs> That's funny. So I have this on here because I said, I wonder how long into the experiment um, this was um, because now I'm beginning to think this is why it took so long for the show to come. I think it's the way everyone's dropping like flies and they were kind of worried like, okay. I just would like to see at what point does Michael and his new wife end up hanging out with the other couples? Because I want to know when they did this rematching. Yeah. Is the timeline really the matching up? Is it earlier? Is it later? We'll see if Keisha asks because Chloe's going to be a a guest next week on After Party. So if she doesn't ask, I think that's some information that they'll share. So we'll see. She's not, but what if the second bride had ditched him again? Like that would be so devastating and hard to recover from. I'm not that strong because I don't want to find out. All right, uh, we'll take a break and be back to talk about Claire and Cameron. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you make can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. Summer is coming and it is time for all of us to go on vacation. You can use the money you earn from Earn In to buy a new bathing suit or some new clothes for your fun summer vacation. Download Earn In today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, Type in Alta Call on the podcast when you sign up. It'll really help the show. That's Alta Call on the podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Ladies, you know that vicious week before your period where you feel like you want to crawl out of your skin? You feel a little bit down or off and those cravings when you feel like you can eat anything in sight? Well, there's a solution for that. Now it's easier to manage your PMS with estrogen control. You have to try Hormone Harmony. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality. And it shows. 
For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code ALTERCALLMAFS at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code A-L-T-A-R-C-A-L-L-M-A-F-S for 15% off today. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Okay, so Claire and Cameron are still trucking on. Cameron tells us that he's still trying to figure out Claire, that she says one thing and does another and I'm still stuck on why she didn't take the out that he gave her and call it quits. So this is a part also of the journey so far. We're just like, she's just like dragging him along and she doesn't like him. So there's nowhere. Some people were saying that they're cute and they hope they still, you know, make it to the end. And I'm like, what are these people watching? How will they make it to the end? Because it was so, really quite clear that whatever was going to happen with Claire and Cameron, making it to the end was not on the list of options. I mean, even the after party producers th- threw caution to the wind and let them infer that last episode. <laughs> so they go on a date and they're at an indoor ski thing, which actually looks kind of cool. Um, they're trying to follow Dr. Pia's advice like they should just have fun and take all the expectations of the future out of everything. Claire says that she's trying and will continue to try, but she feels that Cameron has given a lot, but it seems like he has checked out and that's making her uncomfortable. At this point, everything makes Claire uncomfortable. Again, why didn't she leave? When he said maybe we should leave? Yes. (laughs) And again, this is going to be very important because it's going to... be the foundation of the points that I'm going to make in after party, because I just think they're, we're getting two different Claire's on the main show. And then on after party, because I'm not understanding on the show, it seems like she wants to keep trying and not because of him, because he clearly wants to leave. (laughs) So they chat after their skiing and he says, yes, we're taking Dr. Pia's advice. Claire, of course, with the negative adjectives was like, yeah, it's weird. We didn't sign up for a platonic marriage. And she does that thing where she wants him to agree with her. Like, right? And he <laughs> says, yeah, you just said what I've been saying. <laughs> and then Claire says, well, you know, some things need to be planned. And she's not a quitter. And in a confessional, she says that she's fearful that he will become resentful of the time that they're spending together. And it's her worst fear (laughs) that he's like a best friend to her. And she would be so sad if that was stripped from her. 
And I'm like, this is giving Robin and Mary. So I don't, I don't know how he's a best friend. If again, according to after party, she felt like she couldn't trust him. He was saying all these things. He was two faced. So how is he like a best friend? I, th- mysteries abound. <laughs> um, so Becca and Austin, as soon as we, we see her come into frame, I know that all is not well. She's tearing up and telling us that they had a conversation about religion and it did not go well. So they call Pastor Cal on the video call and she tells us that they talked about heaven and hell. And he said that if she dies and she goes to hell, he can still love her in this lifetime. And she tears up. Stop it. <laughs> Please continue. I, I'm trying my best to. Yeah. She tears up and says it makes her feel less than um, being married to someone who isn't sure where she's going to end up when they die. Uh, okay. I, I'm still trying to make sense of this and I'm trying to be like, okay, Tang observe understanding but i'm like why the hell do they match them if this is so important so she says that she's agnostic and for him to think that they could go to different places breaks her heart still not understanding and pascal is like well no one has left the earth and come back to say how it was i mean i whispered except lazarus but i mean that's besides the point but she says, well, he said, that's what the church says. And he's like, yeah, but my church is accepting of gay people. And she says, yeah, but you have to accept Jesus. I'm like, okay. What I, I, I was, I was, I did not understand. First off, I was like, is Pastor Cal an agnostic pastor? What did this man just say? I mean, I think, no, I kind of understood what I was saying. Okay, let me tell So Pastor Cal says, well, is it reasonable to believe that if you don't believe in Jesus and, you know, you are born in Afghanistan and you're not born into Christianity, that you're going to burn in hell? And Austin says, no, I don't believe that. Then Pascal was like, there you go. And then Austin is like, hey, I'm also agnostic like her. I was like, not quite, buddy, but okay. That he's open to new theories and they connected in the similarities among religions and he's always open to learning more. I think Pascal is just more open-minded. I am into open-mindedness. I really am. But it also is quite confusing to me. Yeah. What what do you mean? I, I was honestly shocked when Pastor Kyle was like, well, no one knows where we go. I'm like, if you're the pastor of a Christian church, yeah. When I grew up in church, I would hear the thing about, well, if no one tells you about Jesus, then you can't be held responsible for not knowing about him. So by that logic, if you're married to someone, <laughs> you're not going to qualify. Someone's told you about Jesus, haven't they? And you haven't gone through the steps. I, I, for, for, for Becca, I was just like, I don't really understand how you're supposed to be married to someone who thinks you're going to hell. So I didn't interpret what Pastor Kyle said as we don't know where we're going. 
I interpreted what he said as because what hurt her was for him to think they could go to different places. He was just saying, no one's come back to say how it was if you're separated from your loved one. In my mind, my personal belief is once you die, you die. Like, who cares? I, I think for me, she's the one that's, well, she said agnostic. I actually thought she was atheist, but she's an agnostic. What do we care after we die? I think that's where I was so confused. You know how there's some people who are like, oh, I want to be buried beside the one I love. and the, Who cares? You are dead. So why was she so... <laughs> Don't make me laugh because I'm just going to start coughing. <laughs> but I think what he was saying was trying to be understanding of like, if you die, like the love that matters is while you're alive. But he can't say that. So that was how I interpreted it. But I mean, I, I, I see what you're saying. I think it's quite the choice, especially when an after party, we found out how that conversation even came up. Yeah. It, it is a choice to say out loud, well, the way I was brought up, if, if you're not a Christian, then you're not going to heaven. Ergo, if you never get baptized or accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, yeah, you're going to hell. But it's totally fine because I like you in this life. That that's yes. That's not no. No, it was very casual. Oh, are you saying that it's not okay for him to say that? It's not. It's not. It's okay for him to say that. I don't see how you're supposed to be married to someone who thinks you're going to hell. Oh. If their faith is that deep, then they cannot be with you. And if he's just repeating it as well, that's what I knew growing up. I don't know if it's really true, but that's you know that's yeah. what I believe. Because it seemed like he was yeah. telling her that he still believes that. Oh, okay. I thought he was just saying, whenever she said what she said, I thought he was just saying, you know, um, based on my, well, how I grew up, if you did this, you couldn't do that. Because, like, I'm Catholic, well, I call myself an a la carte Catholic, and my husband and I joke around every now and then about, you know, different things like, oh, like, if you're Catholic, you don't have to do this and blah, blah, and just saying things like that. So that's how I took it. But this, maybe it's just me projecting how I would have said it, because that's a good point. Why would he bring it up at all knowing it's something that's sensitive to her, I guess? Maybe he really, he thought like, oh, the fact that my church believes this, ergo, I believe this, because I'm getting the feeling that he believes it too from this conversation. And maybe he didn't think that she would think that wasn't a big deal. But I think telling someone they're going to hell is a pretty big deal. I also thought the whole thing about, well, my church accepts gay people. I was like, well, what do you want, a cookie? Because um, <laughs> was he trying to say that my church accepts gay people even though we think they're going to hell? Like, what was he saying? I think he was just trying to say that the, his church has rules, but he's not, like, so strict. Like, he's not, like, a... 100% follower of all the rules and he's open-minded but I think he was just being open like yes because she says you know the people uh, the church people they usually like condemn people that don't believe the same things and he's just being open like hey my church believes that but if he does plan on going to that church now that we're talking about it I, I see it's in different perspective 
how is she supposed to feel comfortable if all these people look at her like and that's what she said was her actual fear people looking at her like she's like the worst i mean it's church and they probably won't look at you like you're the worst but they'll still believe that you're going to hell while being very kind to you i think the lens i was looking at it i don't think i had it in my brain that she was agnostic which is different from atheist i think i thought she was atheist and I just didn't understand why it meant so much to her. I just thought she would brush it off. Like, I don't believe in hell anyways. Like, it doesn't mean anything. But I think the main thing is your partner. Honestly, even my partner thought I was going to hell. I don't even think. Okay. You're like, whatever. Yeah, we'll I think dead. it depends. I think it depends. Yeah. I think for Becca, being told that you're going to hell is a pretty... Is it a statement of value of who you are as a person here on earth? I don't know if she was clear that maybe he didn't mean that. I I just, I felt like this need, I felt that was a really hurtful thing to express if he actually believes it to be true. And I also think Mm. if you think your wife is going to hell, like as a Christian, how do you even live with yourself if you really believe that? Like, how could you sleep or eat or go about life just being like, oh, I'm not going to see her again in the afterlife, which is like, I don't know. I think that's pretty important if you actually believe that. I don't know that I, okay. I guess people always say, I'll love you in this life and the afterlife. I don't know if I care if I see my husband in the afterlife. <laughs> I don't know if that's bad. Honestly, I just think we're dead. And I just think the afterlife is a completely different picture. It's a completely different thing. I don't know what it is. I mean, as a Christian, I'm supposed to believe it's just heaven and hell, but I don't. I just think it's beyond our understanding and we don't know what it is. So I don't know. So many I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either, but I clearly see how for Becca, I I can understand why your husband thinking it's okay if you go to accepting a belief system that says, because at the end of the day, hell is for bad people. So if you accept as just facts, Oh, if you don't, if you're not a Christian, if you don't, you know, accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're going to hell. And I'm fine with it because we're good on this life. I, I would not buy that. I would not go for that. So let me give you this example. So I, when you're Catholic, you can't be a godparent unless you're also Catholic or whatever. And if someone just came to you and was like, oh, yeah, you can't be my, you're not, basically, you're not good enough to be my um kid's godparent because you're not catholic or anything is that almost akin to that like you think someone's not good enough and let's say you're just sharing that like well if we have a kid you're not good enough to be my god like if your let's say your sibling told you that or whatever is that hurtful because that's how i took it that he was just saying like well according to my church if you go this you can't go to that ha 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 I don't think he necessarily believes it, but I think you're saying if he believes it, then that's where it's hurtful, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Fair. Fair. I didn't to think back to the godparent thing. Yes. I, it, the thing about the rules, and I'm very interested in everybody's rules. Catholics, I, I love hearing about everybody's doctrine and everybody's rules. Of course, when it gets down to individual people, everybody gets to you know pick from the buffet, if you will. Yeah. And I totally accept people picking from the buffet. I think I pick from the buffet. But if you, I, I think that if you really believe that there's a, a list of things that you must do in order to get to heaven, which include like being a Christian, 
being baptized, whether that means being baptized into one specific church or any will do. If that is a central thing that you believe, I don't really think you could be married to somebody and say that you love them and be okay accepting like, oh, the central thing that is at the core of my beliefs, they don't need to be a part of it. We'll just separate when we, it's not about going to heaven and hell. I actually think it's more about, you know, are you a good person? Yeah, I think you you've, you've convinced me. You're right because every time if you married with someone to someone, your values have your your core values have to align, and this is a pretty big value. So it's not about yeah. You're right. You're right. Okay, I see it. I see it. Um. Well, continuing with the lens I was looking at, when Becca says when you know Pascal asks. Austin and he's like, no, I, I'm, I'm open. I can learn more. Blah blah blah. Becca says, well, if he was paired with a Christian woman, then he would be. And Pascal butts in and was like, well, he wasn't paired with a Christian woman. Um, Whose fault is that, that Pascal? Most- <laughs> well, we know how they feel about giving people what they ask for. But at that moment, that's when it felt like this was deeper, and it just felt like Becca was insecure about something. And I don't know. That was how I saw it at that point. Hmm. Maybe it was, was her realizing that this is not going to work. I don't know. I always go back to Becca's thing where she said she's never met a Christian who hasn't tried to convert her. Mm. Um, yeah. And Austin is saying all the right things, but I think she can see that he is not. I think Austin wants to be chill. Like, I actually believe that he wants to be chill but I don't think his belief system is going to allow for the level of chillness he needs to be married to Becca. I cannot get off my mind that Austin's best friend says, I have not heard this man talk about his faith until this happened. How deep are you in the faith if your best friend has never heard you talk about it? That's the I'm disconnect you, that I need to start thinking a life ask. partner, the different questions. <laughs> I mean, that means he's pretty new in the faith or he's just been walking in a secret life. I don't know. So I don't know. In the most pivot of all pivots, Becca from her tears slips out that he accidentally said he loved her and that he was so tired and it was a joke. And Pascal was like, no, it's not a joke that sometimes it just comes out before you know it. But then they laugh and they move on. So afterwards, Austin asked her, like, hey, how did you feel talking to Pastor Cal? Like, I felt like he wanted to say more. She says if he does think that she's going to hell, that does not work for her. He says he doesn't know what he thinks. Oh, well, that's the answer right there. He does believe it. (laughs) I forgot about that part. (laughs) Because if you don't know, that means you know you don't want to hurt her feelings. Um, And then she said, ask me about something. And telling him that he should prioritize something. Honestly, I was going to ask you what this was. What did she want him to prioritize? Like learning about religions or what? He keeps on saying, I don't know. I felt like she was saying, can you get to a place where you know? Can you prioritize thinking about it and making your decisions? Because he he keeps on saying, well, I don't know. I need to think about it. I need to explore it. She's like, well, explore quickly, son. Uh, Okay. I was like, if she is, in fact, asking him to decide on where he stands, 
that's not going to happen in how many weeks are they in now? So we're talking about what, five weeks or something. But also, I think the I don't know is that he does know. You just, he just don't doesn't like want to say it. Yeah. You're not going to like what he does know. So I don't know. I don't know where these two are going to end up. This is our only hope. Well, Michael and Chloe, I don't know. But that's they, they're not showing anything about them in the preview. So Lauren and Orion still working. They Lauren meets up with Claire and Orion meets up with Cameron. They meet up and she, Lauren tells Claire that she's good. She has no communication with Orion. They're good at giving each other space. Orion says the same thing to Cameron. Cameron says he appreciates Orion's perspective because he did what he thought was best for himself and he is on the brink of walking out on his marriage. Um, he tells Orion that he feels like he needs to advocate for himself and all of his emotional capital is gone. And when he reaches his breaking point, Claire will say something that reels him back in. Orion asks, like, what are the things that she says that reels you back in? And he's like, you know, it could be a display verbally or physically, for example, her saying that she prefers him staying in the apartment. Well, Claire is telling Lauren that something doesn't feel quite there yet because she's so in her head that he's not attracted to her. Cameron says <laughs> simultaneously that he has shown every chance he gets that he's attracted to her, he wants to make it work, and that he has feelings for her. Claire says that Cameron wanting a divorce will be heartbreaking. Why? Lauren asks if she's too focused on the future. And she's like, oh yeah, Dr. Pitt said the same thing. But her fear is that they're forcing it so much that he wants to remove himself completely. He already wanted to. Orion says, well, taking the time out now to reflect on everything and to think about it, he wished he advocated more for himself and he doesn't want Cameron to be cut at the knees. First of all, wrongest person to give advice. Second of all, how much more can you advocate for yourself when you say you want a divorce when your partner doesn't want a divorce? <laughs> Every time that I see Cameron getting inspired by Orion, I'm like, you know this is not where you should be going, right? Unless you well, really want to be inspired by him. Well, you know that saying, like, you know what friends to go ask for advice because you kind of know what they're going to say. So you go to who's going to tell you what you want to hear. So he just wants to be pumped up. He's like, yeah, Orion, give me that divorce juice. <laughs> so Cameron says he can guarantee he will say he's leaving and she'll say no. Orion is like, don't get so real back in because once feelings are gone, it's hard to get them back. Um, Lauren tells Claire that part of people wanting to leave is part of control, that they don't like what's happening around them and they just want to leave and disappear from the situation. Do you think that was accurate? No, I don't think I quite understood. I wouldn't call it control. Let me put it that way. I would say it's cowardice. <laughs> is it cowardice or is it just making a decision? Like when we watch people hang out, for eight yeah. weeks, knowing full well they're going nowhere. I can't be mad at people who are like, this is not a thing. Let me just get out. That's true, because it has to be so frustrating feeling trapped, especially when your mind is made up and you're just like, this is not going to work. So why drag this out? So, um, yeah, I, I think she the, the word was just wrong. It's not control. It could be 
any number of things. It could be him protecting his mental health, to be honest, but control was not him. With Lauren, do you think that she used the word control because that's how she feel like that's what Orion did or that's how she feels in general? I think it's because of what Orion did. Orion took control of their marriage and made the decision for them and she didn't have a say. If it was up to her, she would still be in the marriage. Hmm. Yeah, because I feel like the reason why she was wrong about that is because she was projecting her own stuff. So. Oh. Anyways. All right, guys, we will be back with Emily and Brennan. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, guys, we come back to Emily and Brennan wishing each other a happy one month. Um, they seem happy. I don't trust anything about those two. Not a single thing. Nada. Not a one. When they were making pizza earlier, I was like, I can feel the vibes of hatred under here. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do believe Brennan when he says that he's excited for horseback riding and an adventure. Because, of course, you're going horseback riding. Of course, that's fun. Claire says that her and Cameron are not celebrating their anniversary because it put pressure on them. She talks a lot, um, but basically she says the anniversary is too much for them to soak in, so they're not celebrating it. What what did you what did you think? Everything is too much. It's too weird, it's too forced, it's too awkward, it's a lot. Ugh, that's what I thought. So Becca and Austin get a letter and it's about love and marriage and something and then they watch a video of their wedding i don't know why they had them watch the video of their wedding on a laptop instead of an actual television but whatever they have a great time watching it um they just seem really happy to look back on the day they got married and laugh at the things they said i think that's a proven thing in math I've not seen a couple read their vows or watch their videos that weren't filled with nostalgia or smiles or anything. That's one thing that never fails with the couples, no matter where they are. Because if they're in a bad spot, they're like, oh, back when things were good, because everything was good at the top of the altar. If they're in a good spot, then they're like, oh, that's where we first met and this journey began. So yeah, it is pretty foolproof. It's the hope that kills. Becca then talks about when Pastor Cal asked about being in love and Austin said, it seemed like Austin didn't know if she felt the same way because he asked her and she's like, yeah. Um, she said she was just too tired to like say it. But then she's later on in the after party said she did say it. So that whole thing was just confusing. I told you, two different shows. <laughs> Austin, Austin says, let's make today a lot more fun and a lot less emotionally exhausting. Emily and Brennan, back to them. They talk about a month being a, 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 a milestone. She asks, like, they're driving up to go ride on horses. And she's like, how fast do you think the next month will be? And she says it will feel slower. And I'm like, that's because this whole thing is torture for you. Um, 
She says they have serious shit to talk about, and Brennan looks like he'd rather eat glass than do this. Because we know that Emily gets hurt in some sort of snow activity, I was like on the edge of my seat the whole time they were doing this activity because I was like, this place was called the Devil's Thumb Ranch. And I was like, is that like premonition? Because this place is going to be terrible for Emily, but uh-huh. it must be some other future activity. Um, was, it a group, was it a group activity? Do you remember? I, I think it's probably going to be the couple's retreat and she's going to be on an ATV, not a horse. Yeah. But I was like, oh, mm-hmm. after the horses, are there ATVs? Because like what is, or snow machines or whatever they're called. Um, Anyways, I had that hanging over my head while I was watching this. (laughs) Um, Emily says that it's just a lot. They have a lot of conversations. And they decided to go back to what they enjoy, which is adventure. And it's setting up the relationship for success by doing adventures. Brennan gets on a horse named Gucci. Emily gets on a horse named Doc. They ride. It's beautiful. At one point, they decide to trot. Uh, go a little faster. Brendan almost falls at one point. But yeah, she makes a joke about how Brennan is like in love with this horse and feeling the spark with the horse, but he doesn't feel the spark with her. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. She said it was cute slash bizarre, but it's emotional, so I'll take it. And I was like, poor girl. No. <laughs> <laughs> They show us with Cameron on a bike riding trip with a family friend where he says that he was able to get away from his wife and clear his head. (laughs) I mean, it makes sense. Their house is the house of tension. I totally understood all of that. I think it was the fact that the friend was also in the video. I was like, have you traded in Claire for your friend? (laughs) Um, (laughs) okay i was not even in that atmosphere i just (laughs) that's funny okay moving on moving on Becca and Austin go ice skating. Becca takes the little walker thing that is for children, but okay. They skate together. They're really cute. They roast marshmallows. She makes fun of him for blowing out his fire on his marshmallows. They sit down and talk and it's nice. You know, they talk about how great and amazing their marriage is, how they love doing it with each other. They trust each other, that they're building. She says she's excited to be in a relationship where he talks to her because in a lot of her past relationship, the guys have been avoidant. They would just be like, oh, everything's fine. And then later on, you find out there's trouble. But Austin has been pretty open about how he thinks she's going to hell. And that has been a better experience. Becca says that she's proud they made it to a month and they will celebrate every single month until they die. And they laugh. Honestly, I threw in that stuff about going to hell. But her point seemed to be like, oh, you'll just tell me stuff instead of avoiding it. Which I think is a good compliment. Yeah. It is. I think, though, just a little Mm -hmm. prognosticating. (laughs) It's great to be open about your issues. But being open about them doesn't 
always get rid of them. It's the old, at least I'm being honest, but have you reached a solution? Like what, what, what are we doing with this honesty? <laughs> that you exactly. have laid upon me. Uh, uh, that Which doesn't make honesty bad. It's just, I want to be like, yeah, that doesn't guarantee an outcome, my dear. I'm still thinking about this whole conversation and just seeing the whole hell thing. And I'm still thinking about it. Like, just that whole everything about that. Like, being a human being is very complex. <laughs> That's all I wanted to say because I don't know how they move past that. Like that's now that you open my eyes to that, I'm just thinking about that. That is very true. Like, how do you move past that? So this it's very is- funny because Ooh. I feel pretty strongly that I don't believe in hell. Yeah. But I also feel that there are people who really do. And it's important to know if you're one or the other. Yeah. I feel like we could spend all day talking about it. So sorry I brought it up. It's just really still in my head trying to go back because I think that's the disconnect for me is like when you don't believe in it, but it still has that much effect. And I think also my thoughts on like, honestly, when we die, we die. So, but if it's a fundamental core, like we said, it's a symptom. So I, yeah, I'm going to think about this for a long time. (laughs) Theology is very, very interesting. Yeah. Um, Brian and Emily are sitting at dinner. Um, Emily talks about setting a new tone in their new chapter of the second month. She says the week couldn't have gone better. Gone the week couldn't have gotten better. They're living together. They got into a rhythm. Brennan says that she makes it a very comfortable place to live. All I hear is that Emily twists herself in circles to make this dumbass man happy. Um, which makes him stay moved in. Oh, so if she doesn't make it a comfortable place to live, he's going to want to leave. Okay. That is a terrible terminology. You helped me stay moved in. Like, you were forced. <laughs> like, I, it's terrible. Like you would leave if given the opportunity. That's what I heard. Yeah. He also says that it has been tough for him. In the past, he would have ran from a red flag. Emily very rightfully says, I'm a red flag. He says, yeah. So she says, it's very uncomfortable to have something and then it's gone and you don't know why. I think she means they were good in the beginning. They're no longer good now. She has no idea why things changed on his end. Mm -hmm. He says he doesn't want to run. He's been trying. When he says he's been trying, her head whips all the way around. Like, what? What'd you say? <laughs> says, I need to know more about the running that you would normally do. Do you usually have this spark with somebody and then have that feeling of wanting to run? He says, oh, this isn't like any other relationships. And he's giving it time to see if it changes anything. This is why these people are running around trying to find Michael another wife. <laughs> like this much. relationship is not long of this world. He uses, I think, some more day-by-day terminology. And Emily is like, look, we have been taking it day-by-day. This is not going to cut it. We're in a space. He can't express things. We have to move forward. And he needs to open up and express himself. Then they start talking about fizz and adrenaline, which is really her asking the same question. Like, with previous girls or previous women, did you guys have this spark? And then suddenly you hated that person. That's really what she's asking. 
Um, but she's very frustrated and she just says she doesn't know how to navigate anything. Then we move on to Claire and Cameron. Claire is sitting there on her computer. She says that Cameron sent her a text message. I'm like, are we sending text messages by computer now? What is this? Um, <laughs> anyway, he's moving out. Um, it's too much. The Everything is just, it's, it seems pretty... He's moved out so that we can think about things, but honestly, it seems pretty over. So she's just like, we're not on the same page. She can't meet him where he's at. He's a great person. She wants to be able to, but it's just a lot uh, mentally for her. Can I just add that? Do you remember what Kevin did that season of Atlanta with Haley and what was her husband's name? Jake. The, Jake where he said that Jake didn't do anything to woo Haley. He accused Cameron of the same thing. He said that, what is it with the experts matching people who have no game and who have no swag, that he has done nothing to tell, to show Claire that he's interested, that he's just like, I'm attracted to you. And he just, just stands there. And I'm like, didn't he get flowers? Didn't he put his arm around her? Like, didn't he like, I don't know, but that is his point of view is that, Cameron just doesn't have any game and is not wooing her. I don't know. Kevin is losing it for me. (laughs) It's just, it's an okay opinion, I guess. I guess if I live in a world where I think that Kevin knows something that we don't know, because based on what we (laughs) are seeing, what would Cameron having more game have to do with anything that we have seen? I think what he doesn't understand is like when the other person has completely made up their minds that I'm not interested. Kevin seems to think that if you do something, you can change their minds. And I don't know how I feel about that because I know women generally tend to give more allowances than men do. But I don't know in this case, because it's a completely different scenario and situation being married at first sight. I don't know if that's going to change anything because like you pointed out, that has never happened in maps. Except for Jamie, but that's an anomaly. So Austin has a video call with Becca's friend, Lindsay. She's like, how's married life? He's like, so you know what's going on with Becca and I, Um, we share a lot of values and characteristics, but this idea of afterlife and heaven and hell, it became more of an issue. And the way he was taught as a kid is no Jesus, no heaven. Which I don't like the cop out of the way you were taught as a kid. You're not a kid anymore. Do you believe it or do you not? Mm-hmm. So apparently Lindsay is Catholic. And so he's like, he's asking her where she stands on the afterlife. And she says, she doesn't know if she believes in hell. Um, she says, your spirit lives on and you're reunited. Um, and if you're a murderer and you put negativity and hate on the world, then you probably, I guess, will not end up in heaven. But if she looks at someone like heaven, who is pure and light and love and has good values and and like challenges what's wrong in the world, there is no way that someone like Becca would be separated from God in the afterlife. Oh, Lindsay, actually, for me, I was like, yes, I think that's how I think of heaven, too. I think I believe in heaven and I think most of us go there. I think I need to figure myself out. So earlier, so, you know, when I said, if I'm, 
in the afterlife, like, I don't know, whatever I said, like, seeing my husband or whatever, because growing up, they told us, like, we're not going to recognize each other in the afterlife. And sometimes I, I, I equate, like, religion or whatever sometimes to being in a cult because some things you have to unlearn. And that's one of the things that stuck in my head. It's like, we're not going to know each other. So in my mind, when you die, it's either you become a nothingness and then if there's an afterlife, no one's going to know each other. That's just a lot of people you're going to know when you're in the afterlife. So in my mind, I'm just like, the love that we share on earth is enough for me so that whatever happens afterwards, like I'm not going to cry about if we don't know each other then, because in my mind, it's just a completely different thing that we don't even understand. So I think again, that adds to why I'm just like, I don't know. But yeah. I have a lot to, it's just a lot to think about. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot to think about. So yeah, but I like Lindsay's thing. It's very, it's very human. You know, we're talking about the afterlife, but it's compassionate, I guess is the word. Because if, even though Pastor Kyle is not sticking to the doctrines, honestly, I feel like we need to go visit Pastor Kyle's church when he's preaching aid, just to kind of see where this man stands. Cause this is the second thing he said that we're like, huh, interesting. But I, I, I do like that he acknowledged that fact. Like you can't say, oh, no, if you don't have Jesus, you're going to hell because you're also looking down on all the other religions and who says that Christianity is the number one? You know, so if you're born somewhere else, like, what are we trying to say here? Like, I think I'm laughing because I'm like, I was raised in the evangelical Christian church. This is exactly what was said. Well, yes, but I think other religions, well, maybe not all, I don't know that much, but I think Islam also thinks that. Of course, everybody thinks. I think the interesting thing is I think Catholics spend less time badgering in on that stuff. That's my interpretation. No, we don't. I think evangelical Christianity spends a lot of time on what everybody else is up to. Mm, we do. I mean, also, remember, I've had both the American Catholics and the Nigerian Catholics. Mm, they kind of do. They think that they're the chosen, um, they're the ones that, they're the original Christians that Jesus formed and Peter was the first pope. Do not laugh, <laughs> young lady. <laughs> what? But, I'm yeah. laughing because I had a friend who was Jewish and she said, yeah, Christianity just appropriated Judaism. Yeah. And I was like, huh? Um, which, of course, I, I'm very interested in religion and his, like I know I'm, I'm pretty well versed in stuff. So I understand where we come from. But I was like, yeah. well, that is a different perspective. Appropriation. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Jeez, look what Austin and Becca have done. <laughs> Um, and I do like that Lindsay straight up asked uh, Austin, does it feel like someone like Becca would be condemned to hell? Now, this is my problem with Austin. And and I feel bad calling it a problem, even though I shouldn't. But he's Austin says that he is open to growing. And it's nice to hear that Becca is open to growing too. And I think to myself, growing to what? Because she's not growing to accepting Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. If that yeah. is her karma for you, then you need to grow elsewhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, speaking of... I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm very concerned about Austin, by the way. 
So maybe that's, remember last week I kept asking, what is this thing he keeps saying that he doesn't want to talk about that might tear them apart? It's the one thing she said, I have never met a Christian who has not tried to convert me. So maybe that's what it is. Because I think that he knows that he can't. I, I just don't understand. I feel like it's a him problem, not a her problem. She's not trying to tell you to become anything that you're not, but she's very clear in who she is. Yeah. Uh, I do want to point out that I do like that Pastor Kyle also said this whole um, no Jesus, this is not helping his case, but um, you know Jesus um, and you go to heaven. He was like, there's a bunch of people who know Jesus and claim Jesus and do not display Jesus principles. So does that mean they're going to go to heaven just because they claim that they do? He said no, but I don't think he was buying it. I just like I like you. I, I do think we need to go to Pastor Cal's church. I'm shocked <laughs> that a pastor is saying these things. I can tell you that these things that Pastor Cal is saying, no pastor I've ever had growing up would say these things. Yeah. They're too squishy. It also feels wrong to say like he's an open minded pastor because the the doctrine is the Bible and that's what he clearly states. So does he not preach from the Bible when he reaches those chapters? What does he do with those chapters? Skip them or what? <laughs> I would love to talk to Austin about his church. Well, we have gay people at our church. I was like, but what does that mean to you all? Does that mean that you have an open door policy or do you think they're going to hell? I need to know. Ah, good question too. Good question. <sighs> I think the gay people at your church also need to know. Um, <laughs> well, it's like when we have, when I see, um, black Mormons and I'm like, do you know, they don't like you? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mormonism is so American. It's, it's so American. Oh my God. Do you know most of them are Nigerians? Um, they call it something else in Nigeria. I forget. Not Latter. Yeah. Latter-day Saints. Well, that's what they prefer to be called is the Jesus Church Christ of Latter Day Saints. Oh, okay. I was thinking of something else. But yeah, there's a lot of Nigerians in that. <laughs> when I say Mormonism is very American, Mormons were very, very racist when it was cool to be racist. And then their religion changed doctrine to make them not racist anymore because politically that's where the country was going. Hmm. That's what I mean by Mormonism is very American. <laughs> ha ha. That's funny. <laughs> I see it. I, I get it. <laughs> all right guys I, I, we have taken a turn but we're gonna come back and hopefully <laughs> stop having theology discussions <laughs> and we're back to michael sitting down with his friends he has a friend named evram i loved it um and then we have a claire and a page so he tells him he talks to the experts didn't know what to accept didn't know what to expect from the conversation but that they took ownership and claire asks accountability <laughs> <laughs> he says they were empathetic and with that said they were like okay what happens now and there's an opportunity to be rematched and then he asked his friends what they thought which was funny to me because michael already told the experts like i'm ready to be rematched so then he went to his friends and started gathering their opinions but he wasn't planning to like use their opinions at all 
So then his friend Paige was like, well, you trusted these people to find you someone. And uh, the, the outcome diminished a lot of trust <sighs> that she had in that process. <laughs> Speak the <laughs> truth, girl. <laughs> no lies told. Um, so she's like, so what are the changes in the process that brought you to the altar? Because it wasn't inspiring. Um, and what will get you inspired again? And he says, yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm ready to go. They make a joke about if you think that it's going to happen again, you can just make a run for it. So then he asked them, like, for a one to ten scale in comfort, one being a bed of nails, ten being, like, wonderful, how comfortable would they be? Ephraim says he would be a four level of worried. Paige is a seven, but only because of Michael. Like, I believe in you, ergo, okay, I guess. Um... Claire is like 50%. So then Dr. Pepper rocks up out of nowhere, says hello to everybody. <laughs> Michael asks if he, if he can give her a hug. And she says yes. Can you imagine if we were just sitting somewhere and Dr. Pepper just showed up? <sighs> like, hello, old friend. <laughs> Paige says she's worried about him doing this again because after the first time, he said it was his biggest failure. Clara's like, you said that? Um, Paige says it hit her because it wasn't something that he had control over and she just doesn't want him to feel that way. Dr. Pepper is like, we, we've done this for 17 seasons. No one else did this, which I think is actually a pretty fair defense. Um, <laughs> she, lists, she lists out like all the great things that Michael says he wants. They went and thought about it and they're like, we, find, we have to find that. And so this is like a redo of her telling Michael that he's been matched. Um, Cause she's like, yeah, we found someone, but there's like no reaction from him whatsoever. None, dead in the eyes. <laughs> Just looks straight. I was like, this was the best shot that you could get of him the whole time. <laughs> and I wondered, did he already know? It felt like it. They could have just done a better job. Like, didn't he smile when she walked in? Just used that shot or something. <sighs> so anyway, he's getting married at first sight in less than two weeks. I was like, two weeks. Is it three days? Is it four days? Like, how quickly do you guys need this to happen? Um, and Dr. Pepper, like, thanks him for his patience. And Evram calls him Marvelous Michael. Tane totally agrees. <laughs> sure. So I just want to add that in Married at First Sight Australia, they on purpose add two couples much, much later in the experiment. Their uh, thought process is that it helps for people who've been going through the thought, uh, through the process already to, to be rejuvenated when they see these new couples with all that hope and all that stuff and it puts them on their toes or something like that. They seem to think it makes them better. What a great I don't think that's that. totally the case. Uh, the abs Australia is a shit show. So no, I don't know if they realize that they only get like shitty people who want to be influencers. So it means nothing. And again, they cheat on each other, but there have been some, and I think that there are more successful people that have come in the later times because they're not mired by all the negativity, but it doesn't help. I wouldn't say it helps the couples that came earlier. I, I, I don't think that works that way. That is absolutely not why Michael is getting matched. They're losing couples, so that's why he's getting matched. But um, I just thought it was interesting. And I don't think in this case, them being together is going to help any of the couples left. Everyone is struggling. 
that's my main curiosity is how much of the group experience will Michael and Chloe get? Because A, when are they getting married in the timeline? And B, who exactly will be left for them to hang out with by the time they get married at the rate that we are going? I think what we have to do is when they, what the first time we see them with the group, we have to look down and see what day, day, whatever thing it is that they tell us. Then we can maybe have a timeline. Because I think they matched him sooner than they're letting on. So that they could like stretch out the content. Because yeah, I would believe that. So we go to Becca and Austin. Um, Everybody, well, he says it. They talk about how they're looking forward to seeing everybody tonight and that he says it was good to talk to Lindsay. Um, At first I was confused because everybody seemed to be dressing for a different event, but then like all the girls wore nice dresses and everybody dressed up except for Cameron. So they go to dinner. Claire talks about how they've been, that she and Cameron have been separated a few days before this dinner. Um, They all start out with tequila shots and that's how you can tell that things are going real well. Cameron says, did you notice that Becca took a shot? I did not notice that. She did. And I think Austin was like, there you go, baby girl. I think it was because of that and gave her a kiss, but I don't know. So, because we, we still don't know why she's not drinking. I thought it was a personal choice, but maybe she was on medication or something, but she took a shot. Maybe that's commitment to like the after party thing. Cause that that's also confusing we know after party is filmed months later but the show always wants us to believe after parties in the present and so to keep that picture going they had becca not drink even though she was drinking by the time after party was shot wow did she drink in this week's episode i didn't notice i think she did because keisha always points out oh yours is none blah 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 but she didn't do that okay all right Cameron says he doesn't know where Claire is at in terms of their marriage, and he hopes they are on the same page. Becca asks everybody if they had advice to give themselves. Everybody talks in platitudes and weirdness. Emily says something about riding the wave. Brennan passes. Emily's mad. She says she needs him to communicate better and needs him to step up. She needs him to be talking. Cameron is like, oh, no matter how hard it is, it's harder. I, I just felt like no one said anything useful uh, in this whole, like, oh, what would you advice will you give yourself? Nothing actionable, if you will. I would agree. <laughs> I find that this group don't go into detail about their struggles also. Vagaries and platitudes. Yep. I think my note was, what a depressing bunch. <laughs> I don't know how this season devolved to this because in the very beginning, remember, oh man, this is going to be it. They're so unique and blah, blah, blah. And oof, here we are. Here we are. This, it's not the worst dinner we've seen, but this was not a fun dinner. Um, it wasn't entertaining. That oh. too. That too. So Becca is like, oh, where you have a lot of hard things. Any marriage has hard things. She does not say my husband thinks I'm going to hell. She doesn't say that. Um, she's, <laughs> she's just lucky. <laughs> she's lucky that it was Austin. Not to say that they're not having issues. She's crying in a closet because her husband thinks she's going to hell. Um, but Brennan is like, sounds like you're working through them. And, you know, Austin says we have deep stuff. Um, but, yeah, they're working on it. And then Brennan says, how much can you do in a month? So Austin says, 
How much can you do in a month? Not a lot. He married a stranger, you know? And everybody laughs and it's like, we all married a stranger. <laughs> Emily's question for the group is, what is everybody excited about in the next month? Claire says, Cameron, take it away. Cameron says, the fallout. Someone says, oh, that's Jesus. dark. <laughs> I'm literally thinking of like a bomb exploding and what happens after that's fallout. Mm -hmm. He says he feels like they have misalignments as to exactly what they want. He has been waiting for them to be on the same page, but he has a feeling that soon they'll be on the same page. He says that they haven't talked in a couple days. Claire says she's been confused about her own feelings, not being sure. She hasn't had enough time to reflect, but in this days, she's had time to reflect. So Brennan asks if they're still together, which I appreciated him for. Um, Cameron says, oh, on the count of three, we can say what we want. Austin is like, oh, that's dangerous. Emily's like, oh, that's not a game. They don't care. So on the count of three, one, two, three, commercial break. One, two, three. Claire says separated. He says divorce. They can't even separate right. <laughs> like... <laughs> They told you what the words were, and Claire still said separated. And I'm like, for what? He says, oh, great. We're on the same page. Um, <laughs> um, Claire apologizes to him. This is super interested. interesting. Because Claire's apology backs up what he said earlier in the episode, but not what she says later in After Party. Because she's like... Girl. <laughs> <laughs> she says she drug him along in her confusion. She hurt him in the process. That's what she regrets the most. She doesn't regret marrying him. Just so sorry for dragging you along. Okay, that's what she said. Yep. Then he says, forgive me for what I'm about to say. I'm like, oh, Lord, just don't say it. If you have to say forgive me before I say it, just don't say it. But he starts talking about he once had to make a decision about putting his dog down. I was like, what is <laughs> are you comparing this woman to a dog? But he, he said the days he had to, like, wait to make the decision were some of the best days. And he would never take those days back. And the same way he would never take those days back with you. I think this was actually a pretty nice thing to say. <laughs> It was really, and he actually teared up. There was a lot of emotion. I think that, oh, I always feel a little weird being like a Cameron apologist because he's not like the greatest of guys or whatever. But I feel like a lot of what he's doing is just protecting his heart. I don't know what happened. I'm just going by what they showed us. And he just wanted to back out and be gone. And I'm not saying that Claire is lying either, but if he was this so terrible, I just, why does she want to try so hard with someone that's so terrible? But I don't think she accuses him of being terrible. This As in episode like, of After the Party. Bad to her. She accuses him of not being attracted to her. And that's always been their disconnect. I think there's a difference. Okay, I'm trying to remember some of the, it just wasn't positive. So you know how in the episode she says all these positive things, you're a great person, uh -huh. you're a good person. It 
didn't come off that way in after party. It was like, he said this, he made me do this. He didn't want this. He said this or whatever. So I don't know. I I don't know. We have so much to talk about after party, but I, I hope the truth comes out because right now we're in a, he said, she said, I don't think either of them are telling the truth completely equally, but I don't know where, at what point. They are both, well, I want to say they're both unreliable narrators, but the fact is, yeah. is I wouldn't think that about him except for what Claire has said. That's my only basis for him being an unreliable narrator. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they both, you know, they always speak so highly of each other. They sit there. They're better because they were together. They've taught each other things about themselves. Cameron doesn't wish he did anything different. Um, and he feels like they're finally on the same page. Austin says that they're handling it in a very mature way and they can still be friendly. Claire asks if they have anything to say. Um, and she looks at Emily and Brennan who are like, who, us? What, what, what? So they get their food. Mm -hmm. Emily is like talking about Cameron's giant steak, which doesn't look like anything that I would ever want to eat. It's too big. Oh, it's the irony for me. Breaking up on the month anniversary. Claire asks if any of them think that they have a future. And Emily is like, way to stare the pot. And honestly, coming from someone who kept telling us that they didn't know their emotions and thought everything was heavy. It is pot staring. Why do you think they should have the answer when you didn't know the answer? So <laughs> Emily uh, says, I'm going to hand this over to Brennan. And of course he says they are taking it day by day. As Emily continues to make faces. She says, if I hear this day by thing, day by day thing <laughs> one more time, I'm going to snap. That is the same all answers, no expression, like there's no progress. He's not expressing that they're making any progress. He does tell her that he appreciates her being resilient and helping him open up. I'm like, open up where, my dude? She says she's trying to stay stay patient. This is a confessional, but is this going to be her forever? And even Austin, no offense, he's not a man of many words, but he still communicates. (laughs) Point taken. So she gets up and she's like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. Brendan is like, oh, I'll walk with you. And she goes, nope, you do not have to do that. And then Becca's like, ooh. <laughs> then Claire excuses herself and was like, um, I'm, I'll be right back. And Cameron's like, oh, do you need to use the bathroom? She's like, no, I don't. And then she goes, Cameron's like, that's weird. So I'm like, Cameron, can you not read the room? Like someone just walked out. So Claire goes to check up on her. And she says I'm that she's confused on what's going on. And she knows Emily is sad because she's working really, really hard. She goes in and she just hugs Emily, who's crying. And I thought that was really nice. Like, sometimes you just need a hug. So she tells her that she doesn't think he understands. And Claire apologizes for asking the question. And then she starts whispering that it's because he's not willing to answer the question for her and he's giving her nothing. And Emily says like, it's just unfortunate that she cares about him and she wishes that she didn't. Claire says, she's sorry, but if he's not sure about you, then you need to walk away. And it's very interesting seeing Claire being so sure about something. 
we have not seen a lot of that from her. Well, sure about someone else's relationship. (laughs) (laughs) Always easy to be sure about other people's relationships. Indeed. So Emily is like, well, I'm done. And then she walks away. Not from the scene, guys, from the restaurant. You see her wear a jacket and she's in the streets. I'm like, oh, okay. So Claren tells Brennan, because he walks over there and she's like, she's upset that she cares about him. Um, And this man was like, oh, I couldn't tell. He says that she puts on a facade in front of him that everything is fine. So he he didn't know, but he's not going to let her walk away from him. He cares about her a lot. So Superman Brennan to the rescue. What an idiot. <laughs> like, a we disingenuous see the way idiot at that. Yes, we see the way you treat her. And now we're supposed to believe that you're the protector. So he said he's trying his hardest um, not to hurt her. They get to the car. We actually don't see them, but they're still mic'd. So we hear the conversation. So they're in a van, I guess. Um, He asked her why she was upset. And she's like, um, are you serious? Like, did you not see me visibly upset? He's like, um, you were making faces. And she's like, um, that's the whole point. Like, and he's like, okay, sorry. And she's like, it's so frustrating for me, especially in a group setting. And quite frankly, it's embarrassing. And she doesn't deserve this. And then she's crying. And Emily tells us like, nothing's changed. Everyone's opening up. And he's just saying the same shit. And then she cries again. I think this confessional was filmed before she walked out, actually. So Brennan says he doesn't have the answers. And she says, I don't need answers. Like I just needed to show me something that you'll be there for me. He says that he's sorry, that he knows he's not good enough, but with how he's feeling, this is all he got. She that she he knows that she's giving more than he is. And she tells him, Stop saying sorry if you don't mean it. And you're not making any changes. Like I just don't want to resent you. So the couples are all headed back in the van. Um, Claire and Cameron are saying how they've decided to separate and live separately. And I think Cameron lives in Boulder, Colorado, which was was another thing. (laughs) Go ahead. I think we're saying the same thing. I was like, what? 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 (laughs) This is like on Love is Blind where like, People lived in Portland and people lived in Seattle and people had to move. The whole premise of the show is that you're all in the same city. What do you mean he lives in Boulder? Yeah. And so I'm like, what was the plan anyways? Like afterward, they never talked about that. Like he has a business. So we know he's not moving. So that was interesting. That was an interesting piece of nugget. Um, they get to the door and they see that their vows and they have a bottle of champagne and Cameron says, um, it will be different to, I mean, they look through, uh, the wedding photos and Cameron says it will be different to go back to an apartment alone without Claire. As they're looking through the wedding photos, Cameron does say, I forgot how good you looked on our wedding day, which to me sounds like a compliment, right? I took it as a compliment. Okay. So Clara says, looking at the pictures is hard because she sees hope and it's crazy how much has changed. Um, She gives another speech. I don't know what she said. And she says she's sad. Cameron said, it's not what he expected. She cuts him off and says that, you know, they both deserve to li- live happy lives. And she says she hopes this isn't the last that she sees of him. 
he asks her to walk him out and she gives him a hug at the doors and she says, you're a good person and you deserve someone great. In a confessional, she says that it's hard to watch her potential future walking out the door and she tears up. So that's how the episode ends, but we get a preview for next week and we see that Cameron has a heart condition. And I don't know if he's playing it up for the cameras. He said he doesn't know if he's had it or if it was exacerbated by the stress from the relationship. And I remember that the same thing happened to his dad. His dad got sick because of the divorce. That's what he said. (laughs) I was like, this must be a genetic thing, whether it's a genetic heart condition or a genetic, like when your relationship falls apart, it causes you such distress that it manifests physically. That's very interesting. And I I, don't get it twisted. I'm not saying that it's not true. I have no idea. I just think it's interesting. Yeah. And then they kind of hit like Emily and Brennan are going to break up. But I mean, we know. But okay, sorry. Why are Claire and Cameron on decision day? Uh, Someone was like, we will give you 50K to show up. Um. (laughs) Because I remember I told you that I didn't see Brennan and Emily uh, on decision day, but I don't know if that's intentional or not. But the next time they show it, I'm going to watch again and see if I see them there. I mean, there's definitely more than one couple on decision day because I we know we see Becca yeah. in Austin, but I can't remember. Yeah. I know there. I thought we saw Emily and Brennan and Claire and Cameron, but what do I know? <laughs> um, Jessie. I just to go back a little bit because I I. I get that Emily is upset, but I just find it very interesting that she got her most upset when it was a group setting. Was that a buildup of frustration or is it just really a comparison as a thief of joy type situation? It was a buildup. At this point, she has given her all, she has powered through, she has smiled, she has gritted her teeth and day by day, man, that was the word that just broke her. He said that like a gazillion times and he wasn't participating. And when it was his turn, he was like, pass it on and all that kind of stuff. So I think it was an addition, but it was already building up. I just, I was almost surprised by how throughout the episode, she kept her cool. And then she's like, fuck it. Yeah. Everybody has a breaking point, man. All right. So Tane, who has your bouquet this week? My bouquet goes to, you changed my mind, by the way, but my bouquet goes to Emily. Honestly, I feel like she found her voice this episode. Like we've been saying, like, is she compromising too much? But I like that she spoke up about the things she wanted to. She was mad and she walked away. I like that she told him, do not walk with me to the restroom. I like that she said, I'm done. And she walked away from the restaurant. And I like that she also told him in that conversation with the pizza, like, hey, I'm committed to this. Like, just in case he ever wants to say, oh, she's not giving me anything. You can't say that. She reiterated, like, I wouldn't be here if I didn't want to be here. And honestly, there's also the bravery in knowing that someone is being a dickhead to you but not telling them to their face but like just admitting that you do have feelings for this person because she didn't have to but that she did so i just uh give her my bouquet who has yours cameron and claire i always want to congratulate people for just ending it when they know there's nothing there there's no future there they're like we're not gonna sit here on tv and act like something exists that doesn't exist um and i do like the decision seemed to be very mutual um so yeah that's my uh that's my bouquet 
Where's your burnt ashes? Honestly, it could go to a lot of people, but I think I'm going to give it to Orion. <laughs> I just got filled with rage at someone who is absolutely not equipped telling someone else, like, advocate for yourself. I don't want you cut at the knees. Like, you need to leave. Like, I wish I could have, like, get out of here. Who has yours? Mine goes to Austin. Ooh, yes, I can see that. You are definitely allowed to have your beliefs, allowed to say them, but you have really got to watch how you say things and who you say them to. If you are having an internal struggle about your wife going to hell, you really do not need to share that with her. And the way you share that with her really, really counts. You messed Mm -hmm. up. So on that note, <laughs> you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at AlterCallMAFS. That's A-L-T-A-R-C-A-L-L-M-A-F-S. We love hearing from you guys on socials. We're available anywhere you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for your support and for listening to our show. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. Keep us a five-star rating, if you will, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and We'll be here next week. Well, Aiden is a surprise guest. (laughs) All right. See you next week, guys. Mm